Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life Big. The exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or as a few of us say, badass rich guys who do epic shit. And now, your host, the elder with the least amount of give a f***, Pat Hybin. Okay, go Abundance Brothers, it's time to grab a life big and put your money where your mouth is and get signed up for some bucket list adventures in 2017. Here's the BLR, Bucket List Rundown. Indeed, Mr. Smeed, the first thing we got going up is Snowwater, British Columbia, hella skiing. The guys that went last year said it was unbelievable freaking real unreal march 15th to 20th snow water british columbia then we got a champions only couples trip if you are a champion which by the way is five million net worth is it five? yeah i believe five million net worth above napa valley with your wife napa valley wine tasting with your wife april 20th 23rd Then what I got, uh, I also got another champion self-reliance trip, which is uh, hiking the Appalachian Trail at the very last uh, five or six days of it, Mount Katahdin. That's in Bangor, Maine on June 7th through the 11th. Then we got August 17th to 22nd, we got a special fan abundance, Jackson Hole, Wyoming solar eclipse. Bring your kids and let them learn about the solar system. More specifically, the solar eclipse that's going to take place and uh, they may never see it again. You may never see it again in your lifetime. Solar eclipse is going to happen on Jackson Hole, August 17th to 22nd. Then we have South Africa, baby. Yes, South Africa. Man, that is bucket list item crazy. You got like seven or six or seven bucket list items on there. Swimming with the sharks. Of course, safari. The volunteering in, in Cape Town, in the ghettos of Cape Town. Just incredible trip planned on that. Uh, September 24th through October 4th. And we're working on a, a the end part of that, adding a, a couples. If you want to have your wife fly down or your girlfriend fly down for the end part of that and a little special thing on the end, we got that working too. And then, of course, we got the GoBundance Elite Couples Trip in Placencia, Belize, in uh, a really nice, uh, probably a key, right, uh, off of Belize, in Belize, an amazing couple's trip that I, I heard amazing things. A lot of people last year said it was the best trip they've ever been on. So that is uh, November 4th through 11th. Any of these you want to sign up for, you know, reach out to Melanie and just let Melanie know, you know, you're in and she'll collect your money or uh, shoot you in the right direction. So uh, thanks, guys, and uh, enjoy the show. Grab Life Big. Welcome to Grab Life Big. This is our first podcast episode. So bear with me and Mr. Gary J as uh, we do today's episode. But today's episode is with Gary Jonas from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And as Mark Swagger would say, Philly sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. That's, it's up right uh, on the top of my head. But uh, anyways, uh, what's up, Gary? 
Not much, Pat. How you doing? That is a wonderful introduction. Let me say that. <laughs> well, the first episode, you should, I could just screw it all up. I don't care, you know. No. All right, buddy. So why don't you tell everybody about yourself so everyone can get to know you better? Sure. So um, as you mentioned, I was a, I'm born and raised in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Now she's 46 years old, Pat, and have never lived outside of the Philadelphia area. Born here, went to 16 years of Catholic school here, and then got in the uh, mortgage business right out of college and started watching people making money in real estate and over the years kind of transitioned from doing mortgages into doing real estate development. And, you know, as of now, we have a company, you know, 50, 50 plus employees own hundred plus million in real estate and have some good passive income set up as well as, you know, some companies that are growing also have a great family. I'm both my sisters and my parents live within five minutes of me. So it's great. I have two young kids, two daughters, uh, nine and 11 and a wonderful wife who lets me, uh, do anything I want to do, which is great. <laughs> That's perfect, brother. That's uh, you couldn't ask for more. You couldn't ask for more. That's for sure. So, give me some nitty gritty on this. So, you own your real estate company, and you guys buy uh, all this real estate, and you own it with two other guys, right? So, when you say a hundred million worth of real estate, you personally own about thirty-three million of that. I wish it were that good. Let's say this. Um, so, I actually have three partners and myself, and you know, so we, the four of us, probably own. 65 million of that so whatever you know 15 or 16 million is my take of that yep okay and so let's talk about passive income you know at abundance we always talk about the 100 percent rule which is you know once your personal expenses are paid you are a hundred percenter uh everything after that you're over a hundred percenter what percenter are you i think i'm a 200 percenter Okay. based on the math that I've done. And I try and take the taxes out and do all the things you got to do to actually kind of get yeah. your real spendable money versus right. your real spendable bills. Yeah. So, so you make double your, fi double your personal financial obligations every month. You could obviously quit what you're doing now, uh, but it sounds like it's a labor of love and, and you're going to keep going at it. Yeah, so one of my goals, Pat, is to make every one of these 50 people that work for me 100 percenter. Wow, that's a pretty cool goal. Have any yeah, of them met the it yet? No, no, they have not. I would is is the current answer, but I believe I can get them there, and I have a plan to do it. So that, that that's awesome, and 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 obviously your plan to do it has to do with just them basically giving them equity or allowing them to earn equity in in some of the projects that you put together, right? That's exactly right. That's how we're going to do it, and I'm going to force them to take equity in properties that we own. So instead of doing a traditional profit share type of situation with the employees, basically what I'm going to do is take what I would have given them in profit share and invest it for them in real estate deals as we do them. So they start to get passive income off of every deal that we do. They're getting it as well. Yeah. I was lucky. I, I got to spend some time, you know, with one of your main guys, John Pack, when we went to Vietnam and I was there when he did his one sheet. And uh, he's certainly on the road to, you know, becoming a millionaire beyond uh, at a very young age. 
Yeah, yes, he is. And he's, you know, my goal for John is to have him doing what I'm doing now in five years. And then 10 years after that to teach my kids how to do it. So when he wants to start to slow down, he can teach my kids and that cycle continues. So that's kind of our plan. Hey, that's pretty that we cool. we talked about. That's pretty cool. People, anybody should listening should send their, their kids to work for Gary. I mean, uh, <laughs> what other boss is going to say, hey, my goal for you is to become a, for you to become a hundred percenter. I mean, at, you know, as early as possible. Well, I will say this to you, Pat. One of the things that I, you know, in, in our GoPod call that we have with the local group that I've been on for almost two years now since we went to Orlando, one of the things that I see that some people struggle with is the ability to retain talented people. And what we've said is we never have them leave. And so I'm starting to ask questions like, well, why are you still here? You know, obviously there's plenty of opportunities out there for you. If you're going to stay here, why is that? And stuff like that is what comes back. Look, look, there's an opportunity to grow. There's opportunities to create my own thing. And, and we know that you want the same thing for us that you want for yourself. And so if we can accomplish it here, why do we have to go somewhere else? That's the culture we're trying to create. Mm. So let's talk about like, so you got your, your 200 percenter down. What would you say your net worth is right now? I'd say... So here's the thing. I give zero value to any of the businesses that we have. So we own a construction company. We own a mortgage company. I don't give them any value. How come? Um, but I think my, How come? Because I don't believe they're real liquid and saleable. Okay. And so everybody wants to do multiples of earnings, but it's a, yeah. to me, it's a crapshoot. So, you know, I, I just take what I have in cash cash securities and then what I have in equity and real estate, which I think is a much more tangible thing for me to look at. And I think that that is hovering right around $10 million, depending on what, you know, what you think is going on in the stock market. Yeah. Well, shit, you never know, you know, and everybody guesstimates, you know, whether they're guesstimating high or low on, on what their real estate is worth and, and, you know, stuff in Philly could be worth X today and Y Next year, it could be higher, it could be lower. Um, same thing with the stock market. And, um, you know, those business multiples are tough. You know, in a service industry, I think we usually tell, like, for instance, a real estate agent, if they have a team, I mean, that sucker's probably only worth about one and a half net earnings. You know what I mean? That you might be able to, to value it at. Uh, a lot of service industries are probably the same unless it's a Allstate insurance company or, or something that you can sell to other Allstate agents that would want to pick up the book of business and they have a track record, like three and a half times earnings or whatever that they sell the franchises amongst each other for. Yeah, and, and so it's funny because when you look at that, when, you, when the answer be, hey, I'll just hire somebody to run the company and you know ride it as long as I can if I can get the right person because I make way more money that way. Why would I ever sell something worth right. one times earnings? Right, you know? and when you're attached, when you're attached, it's going to probably stick together longer. Um, right. As opposed to giving it to someone and saying, "Hey, pay me X percent," uh, or, or something like that. But yeah, it's interesting. Well, good stuff. Well, I like how you do it. So it's conservative. So, what is your what's a day in Gary Jonas's life like right now? Well, right now these guys challenged me to do a half Ironman. So 
that means I got to get up and work out for two hours every morning. So that's how I start my day. Um, then I drop my kids off at the bus stop, come into work, 8.30, 9 o'clock, try and get out of here. And, you know, when I'm working, I'm trying to transition to more strategic stuff. And part of that is putting John in place to do the, you know, the real estate development and analysis and all that work that I currently do. And so as I transition that work to him, I can look at the six or seven business channels we have and just, you know, try and implement some of this appreciative inquiry and try and help them figure out how to get better and how to leverage the six other businesses to drive business in, you know, internally referrals back and forth between the companies. I think that's my big focus now. Then uh, try and leave that, get at it, get home around six, dinner with the kids and wife, and that's it. Easy day. That's awesome. Okay, so what are your goals uh, 10 years from now? So when I thought about 10 years from now, I said, okay, well, I want to have the company turned over to the employees like we talked about. And us, me and my three current partners are just sitting in an advisory type role, which allows us to just help them not run into any of the pitfalls that we've run into. Um, two, I'm hoping by that point I have all the current employees as 100 percenters. Three, I would like our charity to be generating over a million dollars a year that we're distributing directly out of our charity to the causes that are important to us. And hopefully at that time, both my kids are in medical school because that's what my wife really wants to see them do. So <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. Free health care in the, in the Jonas family. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, cool. So um, let's talk about the pillars a little bit. You know, we have the GoBundance pillars. And, um, you know, it's usually pretty obvious which pillar uh, any individual excels at. Uh, but what I like to ask is, uh, which pillar do you think you're the poorest in? And how can your GoBundance brothers help elevate said pillar for you? All right. So here it is, Pat. As I thought about that question, I came up with this answer. It's more in the, in the spirituality and in learning how to be more happy. And so my wife and I were driving in the car the other day, and we were heading to a wedding, and I'm like, you know, if I had to ask you how happy you were on a scale of one to ten, what would you say? She's like, eh, you know, five. And I go, me too. Like, why aren't we happier? Like, we have nothing to be unhappy about. Absolutely nothing. We have two great kids. We got a great family. We don't have to worry about money. But neither of us feel that total sense of fulfillment that you would think we would feel at this point in our lives. Mm, deep. Yeah. Why? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I think because we're both driven. And so when we look at something, we always look at what's wrong with it and how can we fix it yeah. versus learning to just enjoy it and understand that things aren't going to be perfect all the time and, hmm. you know, just enjoy the moments more than we do. Well, okay. So you use the word fulfillment, right? You don't have yep. that fulfillment. And obviously you use that as a, as, um, uh, an adjective or, or whatever it is, noun, whatever it is, of, of what leads to a 10. So what is fulfillment? Sounds like we're sitting like I'm sitting on the psychiatrist couch right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't start um, crying on me now. <laughs> um, you know, that's a great question. I, the only way I can answer it right now is that I know that I'm in moments 
where I feel like I should be content and I'm not. So, you know, I'll give you an example. Like we went on that couple's trip to Cabo, which was a 10, by the way, vacation wise. We had a great time, Sage and I. But like all these people are sitting there on these rocks. I saw that, dude. Over. I saw that the video that's viral on YouTube now of you doing uh, Baby Got Back up on stage on a karaoke <laughs> bar. <laughs> I was happy in that moment, Pat. But, <laughs> um, but you know, but I'm thinking about more the next day. We're sitting there, everybody's watching the sunrise, you know, over those rocks. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm bored to tears. Like, this is <laughs> not, like, I don't enjoy this one bit. Wow. And I'm, and so I'm thinking, like, I'm watching, there's all these people there. They couldn't be more content. And I'm like, this is awful. Like, I got to figure out something to do to keep, to, to occupy myself. And I, you know, that seems weird to me. That seems yeah. like I shouldn't feel that way. Well, it reminds me of a, a conversation I heard uh, uh, a mentor of mine, Sean Stevenson, talk about. And he, he used to say that, you know, he's a shrink, right? And he, by, by trade and also, you know, he charges like 10 grand an hour to totally shrink people that are billionaires. And basically what he says, he, he finds a lot of them have the same issue, right? They're not, they seek gratification, which is closing a deal, making money, you know, raising their score, similar to how maybe a sex addict sleeps with a different woman every night and gets that gratification or a crack addict gets that crack, right? It's all gratifying that the, the achievement of that one thing, but then it's extremely short-lived. And that's what a lot of us live by is, is gratifying moments, right? Closing the deal. But what fulfillment actually is, is he said he's never really seen somebody come to him and say, I'm really depressed because I'm spending uh, uh, too much time, you know, helping poor kids and spending too much time, you know, with my elderly mother that, uh, that I'm helping her continue to live and, and, and blah, 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 blah. You know, he said fulfillment comes from actually giving back and actually making other people's lives better gratification kind of is like a take it's kind of like uh, rather than a give does what i'm saying make sense no I, I think it makes total sense and and i i see it like i can see it when we do things that are nice for people and all that stuff that we definitely feel better and i got to figure out how to turn off that, that noise around work and all those other things when i'm at home so yeah i can spend that time more present let's say and then i'm probably happier right yeah. and I would, but i can't stop them you can't stop the voices yeah, i'm sorry yeah. yeah 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 i think everybody listening probably has the same struggle so it's a it's a it's a great struggle and we should definitely continue it as a group let's talk about uh let's talk about you know uh, success what would you say your some of your best practices for succeeding are so and I think that, to your point, one of the things that we spend a lot of time doing is trying to understand what success looks like for the people that we're working with and and being able to understand what is successful to them. So when an employee comes in, the first thing I'm asking them is, number one, what do I have? To, what do you have to get paid to not worry about paying your bills so you can work on things that are satisfying to you? Mm. And so I do that on the employee level. First question I ask, I need to know that. I need to know that I'm able to do that for you. So that way, when I get you there, I get you at your best and you can be working on things that are, you know, where you're not 
having outside noises. Same thing when we do a real estate deal. The first thing I do is I just sit down and say, look, at the end of this deal, if it went exactly the way you wanted to go, what would be accomplished for you? Just answer that question for me, and then I can try and back into a deal that'll work for everybody. You know, like if you can tell me that, I can tell you whether we can do a deal together or not. Yeah, and people aren't used to that question because everybody feels like, in order, like that business is a, a win lose scenario. And, it, you know, and we're trying to say it, it doesn't have to be. Like I can win and you can win if I understand what your goals are. It's my job to be creative and get us there. And, you know, that's what we do. And then I would tell you the last thing that I think that we do is we give things time to be successful. And so when I say that, I, you know, we've had a property management company for eight years that didn't make any money. Wow. You know, but now it makes money. But for ah, eight years, we were you. cultivating it. But here's the thing. I knew I was, I knew that I was saving money by having it on the other side, even though that company itself didn't necessarily make money, right? As the right. owner of the property, us managing it myself was good for me. But what it taught me was, guess what? You know, when you start a new business or you decide to invest in something, right? You probably know this, and I'm sure you agree with this. You know, six months in, eight months in, even 12 months in, if that company's not necessarily making money yet, I'm not abandoning that company or that idea. I'm looking at the people and say, hey, they're talented. Do I think they're on the right track? Oh, okay, how do I support them? Versus the alternative, which is, hey, you have 12 months. If you don't make money, we're closing this group. <laughs> and that's hard to do, too. You know what I mean? Because we're high Ds. You know, we just want to be like, you know, look at all this time this has taken me and, and um, you know, at least me, you know. I, 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 yeah. That's that's that. Kudos to you for being able to do that. Okay, good answer. So, what what brings Gary Jonas joy? Um, yeah, well, we we know not as much as I would like, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. But I will tell you that um, I enjoy the process, and so I get joy out of exercising because I get joy out of pushing myself, right? Yeah, so, yeah, I I know if I go out there. And I read a book in this in this book that it was called uh, "Living with the Seal." The guy he hurt himself and he's limping around and he's sitting down on the couch. And the guy's like, "Oh, don't you feel terrible?" He goes, "No, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to enjoy this pain because I earned it." And I thought, you know, that's a great line. Like I enjoy pushing myself, and that pain that it that I feel like it makes me you know feel like I've accomplished something, and I get a sense of joy out of that. Yeah, yeah, um, I'm the same way. I like that. And then I will tell you the second thing is, which I've discovered because I think that I'm a guy that doesn't really care about what other people think, but I certainly get a lot of joy out of significance. I get a lot of joy about other people saying, hey, you're a good dude. I really like you. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, no, 100%. I get, we get high from mm. that, you know what I mean? I mean, that's um, people. I, You know, I once thought, I once was journaling, like, what makes me feel better? Like, sometimes I'll just wake up and feel like shit, you know what I mean? I'll just like, you know, I'm just like, damn, you know? And I started writing down, like, what makes me feel better. And one of the things was people. If I, like, walk down to, to the coffee shop, you know, because my coffee shop now is is walkable, and just start talking to the baristas and shit like that, then I automatically feel better. 
You know, and I think that significant, what do you call it, significance, you call it socialization, um, it works, you know. Okay, cool. So um, uh, tell me, I want to talk to you about a vacation. You got a family, you got GoBundance, you got got all this stuff going on. What's the best vacation you've ever taken and how much did you spend on it? So um, that's a great question because I've been on a ton of vacations. Um, and as I went back and thought about the best vacation I ever went on was a six day driving or six or eight day driving trip with my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time. And I just remember that feeling of, I'll call it young, young love. Like when you're first in love and everything's absolutely perfect and everywhere you go, you want to try something new. And so you know, we were young and we went, we drove up to Boston and then we drove to Niagara Falls and then we drove to Lake George and we just, in you know, those places had these different experiences, none of which cost a lot of money because I was, I had just left my job to get ready to start my own company. So I didn't have a lot of money. So I'm going to guess it was a thousand or a $1,500 vacation, you know, where we drove from place to place to place. Yeah. But I just remember the feelings, the two feelings, one of just being totally happy because all I could do is focus on this great woman. Right. And then two, the feeling that everywhere we went, we wanted to try something new, which I think are, you know, things that you lose as you get a little bit older. And, and so when I think back on, on it, that would be my best vacation. I ever went on. Yeah. That's a, that's a great answer. That's a great answer. Number one, cause it didn't cost that much, you know, in the presupposition is that, you know, the best is the most expensive, which is probably a bad way to phrase my question but it was great that you said hey it was only 1500 bucks and number two the other thing i get out of that is well maybe that has to do with some of your lack of fulfillment is you're not trying new things great point you know it's a a great point and i and you're probably 100 percent right so okay so let's talk about that by the way let's talk about bucket list items and what what are the five, like, if you, you know, we all have bucket list items. I have like 110 on mine. What are your top five that you definitely want to achieve, obviously, before you die, before you kick the bucket? What are the most important five things on your bucket list? So the number one thing on my bucket list is I want to take a three-month unplanned vacation with my family. Un- um, unplanned? And so... Unplanned, like we're just gonna, you know, decide where we're going today. And if we decide we want to stay there for four days, we say we decide we want to leave. Just totally unplanned, whatever feels right. Just, sort of like your best one, where you, know, you you guys just rolled out to Lake George, didn't know where you were staying, what you're gonna do. Same sort of thing, huh? Yep, just do it with my wife and my kids, just the four of us. So you know, that's definitely going to happen. That's on the list. It's definitely going to happen. I just got to decide what age I think my kids should be when we do it. So. That's number one on my list. Uh, number two on my list, which might happen this year, is I'm, I want to do a full Ironman, which I thought was in, you know something that's kind of outside the scope of things that I've done, and you know I think I can do that this year. So I think that'll be cool. I want to buy my dad a convertible Mustang. Awesome. It's on the list, and I can do it today, but I want to wait till I know he would accept it without thinking it was too much. So. That is on my list. And then 
I would like to go on a vacation and run in the Rift Valley, which is where all the Kenyans train. And I just think it would be a cool place to be, kind of. The, the, the Rift Valley, where is it Where is it in Kenya? It's in Kenya, yeah. So And that's and it, um, it's like dirt, and they, and they run on the like, dirt. Yeah. They run on the dirt roads in the mountains at about 7,000 feet of elevation. And that seems like heaven to me. So I would really? love to go. And you would just get out there and run. Do that. And hope that you can yeah, maybe right. smoke one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, well, the Kenyans are known for warming up really slow. So that's what I'm going. <laughs> You're like, whoa, what's that dude doing? <laughs> and then when they start running, I'm stopping, Pat. Hey. <laughs> hey, that's a great. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, and then the last one, and this is for my man Mark Swaggart, is I'd like to own the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> there you go. Think big, man. Think big, Jonas. I can, I can hear him. That's great. That's all. I lo- man, you got the good ones. I love them. I love them. That, that's good Thank stuff. Thank you. Okay. Uh, talk to me about, like, the most brilliant day of Gary Jonas's life so far. So I thought about this. And and I had a couple different things that came to me, but I'm going to give you this one because I think this one is important for not only for me, but for everybody, you know, specifically, you know, people that are, are somewhat ego driven, which I think we all are. I don't know if you remember last year in Tahoe, um, John Pack got up on stage and presented a real estate deal to the yep. Shark Tank group. Yeah, I remember. And so that deal we are in the process of demoing the existing building now, just getting ready to start the construction on it. And we went to like our go-to construction lender and they said, yeah, we're going to pass on this deal. Whoa. This is the deal on the river, right? Yeah. The deal on the river, right? Great location. We love it. So not a big deal. We have other banks that are willing to do it. So we just call a couple other banks. They say, yeah, we'll do it. But then I started thinking and I went, wait a second, this guy, you know, he owns a pretty successful bank that's been in business for 106 years. I called him. I said, why don't you ask Richard that runs a bank if he'll sit down with me? Because I want to understand what his thought process was when he decided not to do this. Not because I'm mad because he didn't do the loan, but I want to see if I learned something. Right? So we get the meeting with him and we sit down and he says, look, you know, this is the biggest deal you guys are going to do to date to the time when I think the market's getting a little soft. And while I like your underwriting on the deal, why do you want to take that risk at this point in the cycle? Like, if you don't have to do it and you're already making enough money, why are you going to do this? Hmm. So then we thought about it and we said, yeah, you know what? Maybe you're right. You know, maybe we should sell this with all the approvals and everything to somebody else, even though my ego wants to build it and I've been planning on building it and I want to tell everybody how great it is. He's right. I don't need to do it. And so why should I take this risk at this point? And so now we've gone down the road and we probably have somebody that will buy it from us and let us build it for them and keep a little tiny piece of the deal um, just so we can make sure the commitments that we made to people are followed through on. But the idea that we could put our ego aside and make a decision based on what we intuitively knew was probably the right thing to do is really, really hard to do. Specifically, when you've been out there as long as I've been talking about this deal. So, I think our ability to put our ego aside and say, hey, look, we can make a little bit of money today instead of a lot of money. 
but make sure that we're safe and we're here for the long haul is something five years ago I don't do. But mm. today I do. Interesting. Fascinating. That's a great story. And, and uh, you know, I have a much smaller story like that. I got a little row house in Baltimore City. David, that David Osborne flipped me uh, one of his one of his deals that he bought on, you know, as, as part one of, of those mortgage stream. tapes. One of those little, yeah. Right. And um, so I decided, uh, you know, it was in the, it was in an area I didn't like. But I said, yeah, yeah, I'll take it. So I bought it. He gave it to me for like seven grand. And it was thought it was, you know, worth a lot more. And I had to pay all the back taxes and oh, it was a disaster. It took me like two years, finally got through it, ended up renting it out. Tenant didn't pay a single cent of rent, then ended up eventually selling it, made like five grand, right? And and I was like, what a, what a bunch of work I did. And I said, you know, if my ego wasn't involved in that, I would have just wholesaled the damn thing. And I could have made more than five. I probably made, I could have probably made 20 grand on a wholesale flip. You know, where I just bought it for seven, sold it to someone else for twenty seven and and mm-hmm. and and been done with it in a day. You know? Right. Yeah. But I didn't. And I think it was ego just because I was like, Oh, it's a, it's a way to have one more rental property and it'll be paid off and then you know what I mean? So it's it, it's a great lesson. I love that story. Um Thank you. All right, so let's see what I got here. Uh well now time for the random app. I need like a little I gotta create something that's like uh, a little noise here to make. But actually, of course, I turned my phone off. Hi, Ben. So I turned my phone off. So give me a second, mm-hmm. and I'll uh, mm-hmm. when I open it up, I'll go to the GoBundance app. But while I'm doing that, so tell me what you're investing in now, or, or have you stopped investing? No, we have. What we we did is um, we started thinking about it, and we said. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to invest in smaller deals that are kind of within our, um, you know, way more in our kind of scope that have less risk involved to them. We're going to do some for sale stuff that's smaller, like infill for sale stuff, five houses here, 10 houses here, and really just start to build our cash flow. So when the market does turn and the buying opportunities are there, we're going to be ready. And in the meantime, we can feed the engine with some some you know more conservative stuff that has very little risk. And so, you know, there's a there's a program up here called Workforce Housing. And imagine how great this is. The city gives you land, right? And you have to agree to sell the properties to people that are within eighty percent of the average median income for the area. Okay. okay. Yep. But that means. Where they're giving you the land, houses are selling for three hundred and fifty thousand, and you get to sell the house for two hundred and fifty thousand. So, what are the chances that you're not going to be able to sell that house, right? Yeah, not not very not good. Much. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. And the city gives you the land for nothing. Now, you might make twenty thousand dollars on one of those houses, where if you were building new construction, you'd make forty or sixty. But still, I'm making twenty grand on a no risk deal, and I can do fifty of them next year. Wow. Right. Because the city's got a lot of that land that they want to get rid of. And most of the developers are making so much money that they don't want to mess with these projects to make a little bit of money. And we're looking at it going, well, if we think the market's going to turn, we should make a little bit of money. But, you know, we're still keeping the engine going. We're keeping our risk to almost zero. Yeah, you get the land for free. And what are you going to build? Like little. Little houses or row houses, or what are you building on them? Yeah, like sixteen hundred square foot row houses. They, row houses, okay. Mm-hmm. So the, the zoning is like for townhouses. 
Yeah, the zoning's for townhouses. You can do it by right. Everybody wants it. Everybody's happy that you did it. You're actually doing something that's good for the community because you're taking the people that, that, you know, are, you know, let's say you're a fireman or, you know, a nurse's assistant and you live in the city and you're making 50 grand or 70 grand and you want to buy a house, but you can't afford it. Yeah. Well, now these, these properties are out there for you. And we're going to do it, and they're going to be quality instead of being what everybody else does, which is let me build this cheaper piece of shit house as I can mm-hmm. to make as much money as I can. Yeah, like that's great. You know, we don't need to do that. So that's great, and the neighborhood the looks good. You know what I mean? And they live in a, they live on a nice street. You know, exactly, exactly. So that's that's the plan. That's what we're investing in. That's cool. So, um, what would you say you're currently doing to grab life big? What am I currently doing? Well, I'll tell you, the thing that's been the best for me, and I absolutely learned it um, through GoBundance, is I'm doing planning. You know, So I'm planning out the next year as part of my one sheet. And then by doing that, like I went on eight vacations last year. Sweet. I, eight. I went to the Final Four and watched the Philadelphia team win a championship in basketball. You know, I went on four vacations with my family. I went to three different countries. I went on a vacation with Sajel. And when Sajel and I were in Cabo, we went bungee jumping and we swam with the whales. And we did, well, I didn't actually swim with the whales. The the other people did. We went scuba diving. We did all this stuff that normally we would never do. And it's because we plan the year out. And I get her buy-in on planning the year out. It's okay if I plan the year out. But if she's not in agreement with my plan, that doesn't work. Yeah. So... Um, but that's been the thing by, by being able to do that, we've definitely had a lot more great experiences over the last year. Well, you know, experiences are a lot of grabbing life big, right? I mean, that's like doing epic shit, you know? I mean, it's, that's great. All right. So let's wrap this up, Gary, with a spin of the GoBundance app. (laughs) Mr. Gary Jonas. Yes, sir. How do you want to die? (laughs) All right. uh, I would tell you, I would like to ride my bike on part of the Tour de France course, maybe up to the top of Alpe d'Huez or one of those mountains, and be there with my wife and kids doing something that none of us thought we could do. And then as soon as it was accomplished, fade away. Yeah. <laughs> However right. that would be. <laughs> they they stay alive and, and you just collapse, right? That is correct. No pain, <laughs> right? No pain. You just no, disappear. No pain. That's a good one. My mom always says, and she's still alive, she says, you know, I, I would love nothing more than to die on the dance floor. There you go. You know, there you go. and she's not a huge dancer, but I think it's just a, it's just a metaphor for, you know, dying, you know, having a blast and kicking it while you still can, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's a, good. a, that's a good one. All right, Gary. Well, listen, this has been awesome. Thank you for being the first test subject on the new and approved Grab Life Big Go Abundance podcast. Keep rocking. I'm going to put all of Gary's information on the show notes of this podcast on the website. And feel free to reach out to him and tell him how good of a job he did. Gary, thanks for being so candid and sharing everything today. Anytime, Pat. It's my pleasure. 